You are now listening to The Dime with Josh Rodriguez, your weekly go-to podcast for all things NBA. Subscribe on iTunes or listen every week on thedimepodcast.com. And now, your host, Josh Rodriguez. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Dime. The NBA season has started with a punch, literally and figuratively. Let's clear the air on what is true and what is not here today. You can follow The Dime on Twitter and Instagram at The Dime NBA. Give the show five stars on iTunes and please leave a comment and review saying how much you love this podcast. Also, if you are a fan of YouTube and video content, I will be developing my own video content soon. Go to The Dime's YouTube channel. Just type in The Dime with Josh Rodriguez or The Dime NBA in the search bar and subscribe. Video will be coming soon. And right now, I would like to introduce to you for the third time, he's the creator of Hoop Geeks and a freelance basketball writer and blogger who has his work on Fansided. Please welcome to The Dime once again, Darnell Gillette. What's going on, man? Nothing much, man. Just excited to, uh, to, to be back in my favorite time of year with the NBA season underway. Yes, it's about time. Darnell and I have been texting throughout the season here and there just about big storylines, about things that can happen, and now the season's here, it's underway, it's only a weekend, but you know people overreact to everything, which I do like, because it gives us something to talk about, it is kind of frustrating when people make hot takes that are kind of ridiculous, but I do think there are a few things that we can discuss today. Yeah, absolutely, already uh, there there are so many storylines to follow, uh, there's a huge transition happening in the NBA, and for there to be fights already in the first couple of games and suspensions, it's really I think speaking to this tense environment and potentially this competitive nature that's really coming back to the league that I feel a lot of people thought was missing for a while. I agree, man. Let's talk about the fight a little bit. Obviously, let's not get into how it happened. It's all over any channel that has to do with sports, ESPN, Fox Sports, all these debate shows. So by now, if you're listening to this podcast, you know exactly what happened. Brandon Ingram was suspended for four games, Rajon Rondo three, Chris Paul two. Now, what do you think this means for the league in general? Um, is, is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Is this just a flash in the pan? Is this something that we're going to see more with the league? Is this, does this, is, are the Lakers and Rockets now rivals? What does this mean? Well, I think the, the biggest question that I would have is, I think the biggest question that I would have is really what is the progression from here in terms of the physicality in the league before uh, once it happened, people were saying that there could have been a 10 game suspension for Brandon Ingram, yeah. uh, Brandon Ingram, and he ends up getting four games. So that was, I guess to most people, it felt like a really light sentence. Yeah. Yeah. It did. And, and he was expecting more. Yeah, he was even expecting more. Yeah. And ever since the Malice in the Palace, I think the NBA has really focused on making sure that they get ahead of this physical play. For somebody that young that's in his third that's in the third year of uh, his career, I would have thought that the league would have kind of stopped it right away saying, "Hey, listen, you're young. We're going to be heavy-handed right now. You you don't have the credibility to to kind of get away with these things and just kind of shut it down immediately to send a message to him early on in his career." But to really just slap him on the wrist uh, doesn't really send a message, I think, to a, a, uh, an up-and-coming superstar, I will, at least in my opinion. Now, do you think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the Lakers are LeBron's team? 
and they don't want to penalize LeBron that much, being that Brandon Ingram is one of the most important pieces to that team. Do you think they took that into consideration, or this is just something that is separate from that? I think there could be different things that were taken into consideration. So Chris Paul, uh, being the head of the Players' Union, could have played into it a little bit. The fact that the NBA really needs the Lakers to do well marketable and having Rondo and Ingram out for an extended period of time doesn't bode well for that, especially after an 0-2 start. So I do think that in the back of their minds, they understand that this is a business. And in order to have a thriving business, you need your best uh, players to do well. And so I definitely think that there's an effect there. I don't know if it's LeBron specific, but I do think that it could be a Lakers thing. So in, in your mind now, what caused that brawl? I mean, a lot of people are, I guess, throwing it on Brandon Ingram for overreacting to, I guess, what he felt was like a no-call for him. I mean, he, he feels like James Harden's initiating contact, pushing off, things like that. But do you think anything started before that that can lead you to believe that, oh, okay, like this <laughs> this was a long time coming in this game? Well, I think something that the announcers were talking about were, was some of the rules changes with freedom of movement and things along those lines where I think that both sides were extremely frustrated. But on Brandon Ingram's part, that was a clear foul. I mean, it was a clear block. In yeah. fact, he should have been happy that it wasn't an and one. I was shocked that it wasn't an and one. It, it absolutely was a continuation by, by any uh, standard. So to not have... Uh, and and one and then to really overreact and uh, and push him in a, in a way that was extremely aggressive I felt that that was a little bit too much uh, for sure and the way he acted in my estimation in comparison to Rondo and, and Chris Paul I thought that that was kind of like this back and forth tension that happened that they they were just kind of like neither of them was going to back down whereas Brandon Ingram the way he escalated it, it almost it looked like he was acting out of rage. Yes, which he was, was kind really of really angry. He was yeah, he was very angry. Yeah, he was acting out of rage almost. The way he flew in, it was like you know he pushes hard in, uh, overreacts to that. Then he gets right into the official's face in a way that I don't I don't ever recall seeing a player getting into an official's face like that. Yeah, and then he walks away, and then he just runs back. It, it, he completely lost control there. So what? What I, I was actually talking with a good friend of mine about this, really talking about the leadership of LeBron in this situation where this could be an opportunity where LeBron is going to be able to sit down with Ingram and say, hey, listen, you're young. You, you, you have a lot more years left in your career. Understand what you just did to the team here. We were in the game. It was a close game. It wasn't over. And because you overreacted, we were down a very important piece. So that's a conversation that LeBron is going to really have to have with Ingram if he hasn't already had it. Uh, just as a coaching moment, as a teaching moment, being this this veteran, uh, the oldest person on the team, he's not going to be able to have that conversation with Rondo, but he's definitely going to have that conversation with Ingram. And people were talking about how LeBron really was focused more so on Chris Paul as opposed to his own teammates, which yeah. I think... That, I think that was somewhat of an overreaction by fan, fans in Twitter universe. Um, but who knows? Maybe that is something that Ingram looks at and says, hey, listen, I was ready to scrap with Rondo. 
Meanwhile, you're you're walking away. So you almost wonder what type of leadership uh, and, and coaching and mentorship Brandon Ingram is going to receive and will be receptive to uh, in, in this situation where he lost control. Yeah, and honestly, I think hate for another team is a great thing in this league. And I think we can never have that hate with the Rockets and the Lakers for the simple fact that LeBron is just too close to Chris Paul and Carmelo Anthony. So there's never going to be this knock him out, drag him out, like Pacers, Knicks, Knicks Heat type series or type atmosphere when it comes to these two teams. And I think that's a shame because these are two teams that could obviously meet in the playoffs that can give us an entertaining series that can give us something to watch. I think us as a fa- as fans love that. That's something that I would absolutely welcome. Two teams that hate each other, that want to do nothing but beat each other up, going at it for a seven-game series. And I think the friendliness of LeBron is kind of ruining that for us. I know that sounds kind of weird. He is acting mature in the sense where he is separating his friend from a brawl. You know, no one, quote-unquote, wants to see fights happen. But at the same time, I think we do as fans. I think we love that crap. As a Knicks fan, when Larry Johnson and Alonzo Mourning went at it in the Garden, that was freaking awesome, and it added to the fire of the rivalry. So to me, it's kind of like, I do want to see, you know, a LeBron that's kind of like fiery and like, and and going at another team. I just don't know if it could be the Houston Rockets, and honestly, when I think about other teams as well, like even the Warriors, he's still kind of cool with like Durant. It's, I, I kind of miss that part of the NBA and I'm not sure we're ever going to get that with this era yeah and and the the culture of the league follows the leader uh, that's just the way it is uh, from from the 80s the the people that set the tone for the league it, it was a bird and magic they set the tone for the league and the Pistons responded and and that was the culture it was this gritty attitude when the 90s hit, Michael Jordan set the tone for the league where it was just this trash-talking, relentless trash-talking, I'm going to shoot free throws with my eyes closed, I'm going to yeah. get into your face. And Reggie Miller, who was probably the one person that I say never, ever backed down from Michael Jordan ever, he was right with it too, just the trash-talking and annoyance, the, the you know choke, the choking symbol to Spike Lee. And there was that, and then in, in the early 2000s, you had... Shaq, who was just you know dominating people in this amazing fashion with Kobe and Iverson, and they had this kind of like attitude. And and now we have a person that's really just, uh, I think, a visionary. Where LeBron's purpose was always much bigger than basketball, and I think he knew that almost immediately. And and because of that, I think he approaches the game and competition differently. Where for him, he doesn't have a he doesn't have a disdain for losing, uh, and and he doesn't have this like need to win. He, for him, he's kind of like you know if I if I do my best and we do all the right things, then yeah, win, winning is going to happen. But if I lose, yeah. then you know what? I still have a great family. I'm a good father. I'm a good husband. I'm good in my community, and and I can live with that. And he's the first transcendent athlete at least that i could think of who approaches the competition that way and that's why some people love him and that's why some people hate him that's why he's polarizing all right so let's talk more about the the lakers i'm going to give you a few true or false statements you tell me whether or not they're true or false this is not just about the lakers it's about just early reactions maybe overreactions that are going on in the nba between fan bases media 
etc. So for the first one, since we're talking about the Lakers right now, true or false, this 0-2 start proves the Lakers are not a good basketball team. Uh, I, I'm not gonna push, so I'm gonna I'm gonna choose true or false here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, this this one is really hard to say true or false for. So for now, if I had to choose, right now they are not true. Okay. Right, so right now, right now the they're second. not a good basketball team in your mind. Yes, for very specific reasons. Since the, you know, I'm not gonna be one of those people that says I can't choose. So I'm gonna say right now it's true. And why so? So this is uh, the the Lakers are an extremely complex team with a lot of moving parts. So it's not an easy thing to just break down and saying it's one thing or two things. There are a lot of things that they they need to make work, and we can see and envision a scenario where this is a great team because of the versatility that they have on their team the youth, uh, just the talent that they have on their team, and, of course, LeBron, one of the greatest players of all time. Yeah. So we can envision that scenario. But with all of that versatility and the moving pieces and the the fact that several of their rotational pieces are very talented, but they're probably three years away from being in their prime, um, that there are a lot of question marks there. So the the first question mark that everybody had going into the season was the fit with all the pieces. They already had Lonzo Ball there. That was somebody that they had uh, from last year. And then they go and then they add Lance Stevenson, who's a ball-dominant player. They add Rajon Rondo, who's a ball-dominant player. And they have LeBron, who has been a ball-dominant player. <clears throat> so the reason that they they said that they want to make these moves was because what makes sense is that they they want LeBron to not be so ball dominant. They wanted to push the pace. They wanted to have LeBron play in the post more and play off ball more. So those are some of the things that they wanted LeBron to do. And, and in doing that, if they did it successfully, it would make his job easier, especially come playoffs, because it wouldn't be as easy to target him and just LeBron is going to score 50 and nobody else is going to score or, you know, or that's really the case. Right. And everybody else is just going to be a set three point shooter. So they really were focusing on changing that where it's trying to challenge LeBron to do more. So I'm not going to get into. Well, I think that the problem becomes right now, just for right now, is that they're asking LeBron to be a player that's operating in an area that's not one of his strengths. Okay. His post game is not great. And I think anybody that really watches it, people assume that because he was a bigger player that uh, his post game was good. But if you really look at him, he when he gets the ball in the post, what he's trying to do is he's waiting for players to collapse on him so he can pass out. Right. When you look at proficient post players, when you look at Kobe in the post, you look at Durant in the post, you look at MJ in the post, you look at even like the Allen Houston's and you know all these different the Jamal Mashburns, all these guys when they were in the post, they make their decision very quickly. If you're not going to double, they have three or four go-to moves that they're going to do. When LeBron gets it, he kind of like waits and he's hoping somebody double teams him so he can pass it back out and they could swing the ball, so on and so forth. So that's one. And then the other thing is when it's having LeBron play off ball. Playing off ball is more than just catching and shooting. 
which to LeBron's credit, one of the weaknesses in his uh, game early on was his three-point shooting, and now it's actually much better. He's a viable three-point shooter that you have to worry about. Awful this year, though. Absolutely awful so far. Yeah, so so far it's you know yeah. it's two games, but yeah. so far. But what happens is, um, in catch and shoot scenarios, he can do that as well. Some the other thing is too when when you hold the ball more and you touch the ball more, sometimes that can help with with your shooting. And but that's another story. So, but when I'm talking about off the ball play, when we look at guys that play off the ball very well now in these fluid offenses, they're constantly in motion. They're not just sitting at three point line. Right, they're they're constantly motioning. They're right. finding gaps. They're they're coming off the back screens. They're moving around. They're hitting the corner. They're they're constantly moving. So right now, the two things that they're trying to really force LeBron to do, because of how they constructed the team, are two things that he's probably the two only things in his game that he's not phenomenal at. So I think that's one thing. Um, the other thing is their rotation. I think they're really going to have to figure that out right now. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't think Contavious, Yeah, I don't think Contavious Caldwell Pope should be playing it really almost at all. I think they should start Josh Hart and they should have Lonzo Ball come in as the backup point guard and backup shooting guard. Okay. And I think Contavious Caldwell Pope should be probably the ninth man off the bench because he's not a versatile defender. He's not particularly big. He doesn't really slash and. He's only, for his career, he's like, what, 33, 34, 35% um, three-point shooting, which is okay. Right, but he, he came into the league as a sharpshooter. That was his thing, actually, 3 and D. I mean, he was supposed to be the sharpshooter coming into the league out of Georgia, and he just hasn't really been that. Yeah, exactly. So, and that's what we all expected. So I think people are still hoping that he is that person. So I would definitely move him back. Josh Hart is really good. He's a bulldog. He's kind of like a Marcus Smart that can really shoot it. So he's a guy I would probably start. So my rotation, if I were them, would be Rondo, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, LeBron, JaVale McGee, who's been a pleasant surprise. I mean, the time in Golden State really did him well. He looks he looks phenomenal. This is the best he's looked um, in his career. And, uh, you know, then off the bench, have Kuzma and Lance Stevenson and Lonzo Ball. And that's pretty much your eight-man rotation right there. The other problem is, as great as JaVale McGee is, I love Kyle Kuzma. He's not a center. So to have him playing backup center, I think, is another problem that this team has, which I think they'll get exposed defensively for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, so. And then Kuzma, to me, he seems kind of low. It's, it's only two games, so it's hard to say, like, this is not working out. But uh, especially with his shot selection, Kuzma seems to just be uh, very – not even hesitant. It's almost like he, he doesn't touch the ball as much as he wants to. So when he does touch the ball, he's just going to launch it. And a lot of those are three-pointers. And it's, it's, it's just awkward. He's not creating shots like he was last year. He doesn't seem as comfortable playing with LeBron. And I feel like that's a big problem with a lot of people who play with LeBron. I think it takes a while to learn how to play with LeBron. I, I've seen a lot of ill-advised shots with the Lakers so far, whether it's threes off the break with, like, 18 seconds left on the shot clock for no rhyme or reason or just because you haven't touched the ball in a while like you're going after like you feel like the need to shoot it it's a very awkward team to watch right now they don't seem to mesh well together at all i i see in theory what they're trying to do push the tempo which which that's another thing lebron has never been like a run the court up and down player he's explosive but that's never been him Rondo has never been this up and down run. So really, the entire system that they're trying to build 
right now is something that it has nothing to do with talent. It's these are things that Rondo never did naturally. This are things that LeBron never did naturally. So you're asking them to make this huge shift. So that's one. In terms of the uh, the, the shot selection and, and playing together, when you think about it, even Brandon Ingram, and this is only from game one, but you know this is a true or false question. Brandon Ingram, it was like he's not a proficient off-the-ball player. Yes, he can catch and shoot, but learning how to move without the ball, come off of screens, you know, like hug screens, learning how to come off of those is very different than being at three-point line, catching and right, shooting. Right, Or, or so, so that's something that I think needs to happen when you really want to have this free-flowing offenses. People need to know how to be in constant moving and relocating. And that's not something that really anybody on the Lakers does well, with the exception of, I think, Josh Hart. So that's that's a big thing. And um, yeah. I think Lonzo does it pretty well. It's just that his shot's really inconsistent. That's true. He, do, he does it well. He's smart. But then it's saying you're not maximizing his skill, right? Yeah. You're not maximizing what he what he is good at. He's changing into this, and, and this is what we've spoken about in the past before as well, right? Where it's saying when LeBron's strength is playing on ball, so the way to maximize LeBron is by having these snipers that can constantly relocate and catch and shoot and spread the floor for him. Something that I noticed in the first couple of games as well, well, in the, the Rockets game, for, for example, um, and, and I think in the Blazers game as well was he wasn't blowing by his defenders the way he did in the past. Now, who knows? Father time could eventually catch up at some point. But LeBron is a cyborg. So <laughs> he <that>. is. <laughs> Facts. But in, in the Blazers game and in the Rockets game, I noticed that P.J. Tucker was able to stay in front of LeBron. Like he wasn't blowing by them that quickly. Same thing with like Alfred Camino and those guys. And I think it could be a product of the fact that it's easier to collapse on him because they don't have these three-point shooters that know how to relocate. Right. right. So it's going to be it's going to take time for them to really everybody's game has to evolve. It's it's more than just chemistry. This is a situation where everybody's game has to evolve if they're going to play the style that the Lakers I think want to play. Lonzo Ball is going to have to really become this off-the-ball player because at the end of the games, I think you're going to have Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Rajon Rondo, and LeBron. And Brandon Ingram right now is an on-the-ball player. LeBron is an on-the-ball player. Rondo is an on-the-ball player. So Lonzo Ball is going to have to evolve. Brandon Ingram is going to have to evolve as a player where right now they're using him the way that the Cavs used Kyrie. Hey, Here's the ball. Go at it. That's not what they want to run. They want this to be this free-flowing, so he's going to have to evolve to kind of do what KD does. You know how he comes off of screens, can right. catch and shoot, the mid-range. Right. He's going to have to evolve, but he's young. He might be two years away from having that in his game. And that's, even, Rondo, yeah, and that's even the strengths of the Lakers. I mean, we're talking about them as, their, as, as if they are a three-point shooting team. They're not a good three-point shooting team to begin with. So it's like, why are you even trying to implement this? Yeah, so so that that's who they that's what they're trying to be, and that's why I say the answer to they're not a good team is it's true only right now. They're yeah. extremely talented, but the question becomes the system that they want to run 
And the way that they built the team, it's going to say, this is how you have to play. LeBron, you're going to have to play in the post. You're going to have to play off ball. You're going to have to run the floor. And these are three things that you really haven't done in your career. That's not what makes you one of the greatest players all time. Right. What makes you the greatest player of all time is your vision. You, you, you like to have the court in front of you so you can break it down and see the motion that's happening. You're not great with your back to the basket. Right. It, it's not a knock. Everybody has holes in their game. And to me, that's something that despite being 6'8", you know, 260, he's not a great post player. So I think that everybody on the team is going to have to evolve. And the, the problem that you have is, well, first off, LeBron is great enough to be able to make them win regardless. So that that's quite a possibility. He's, he's Mount Rushmore, period. So he's great enough even though I'm critical of him right now, I'm just critical of these components and it's not being critical of him. It's saying, this is what they're asking him to do. And it's kind of like when Brooke Lopez learned how to shoot threes, that wasn't part of his game, but he needed to evolve. Right. And he, now he can shoot threes. So they're asking LeBron to evolve in these areas where instead of playing in his strengths, which are as good as we, we will ever see in our life, uh, and even beyond, they're asking him to operate in some of the areas of his weakness. The, the difficulty and the, the concern that you might have, it's too early to say concern for sure, is that this is the Western Conference where the bottom of the West, right now, the Thunder are 0-3. You know, in worst case scenario, you're going to be fighting with the Thunder for a playoff spot. Right. You're going to be fighting for the Nuggets for a playoff spot. I'm a big fan of the Clippers. You're going to be fighting with the Clippers for a playoff spot. The Timberwolves, Jimmy Butler finally came back and, you know, they're going to be fighting for a playoff spot. So when you look at that, that bottom seed, it's one of those things where you can't really afford to fall behind. And if you look at the Lakers schedule, I think they play the Spurs tonight. Then they play the Suns, I think, tomorrow. And they're going to play the Suns without Ingram and without Rajon Rondo. And then after that, they play the Spurs again without Ingram. And then I think they maybe they play the Nuggets or something like that afterwards. So and then at the end of the year, when you look at the back half of the schedule, they just have this brutal schedule that they're going to be facing. So this evolution is going to have to take place really fast. The piece that you can have if you're a Lakers fan is the fact that LeBron James is one of the greatest players of all time. That is true. All right, let's move on to uh, the Eastern Conference now. The Raptors and Celtics had an early duel in Toronto. The Raptors ended up winning. So true or false, the Raptors are now the team to beat in the East after their victory against the Boston Celtics. False. False. Okay, so you still have Boston the team to beat. I do. However, Toronto opened my eyes to something that we all forgot. And what's that? Which is- which is that Kawhi Leonard is is probably there are not there are only two players in the NBA that I would rather have over Kawhi Leonard right now. Just two. Wow. Yes, and when I tell you these two names, it's gonna make people make people <laughs> think I I don't have any credibility. Okay, <laughs> let's hear it. One is LeBron James, and the other one is Anthony Davis. Right. I, I, I thought it would be AD. That's, if I were to guess, I think it's the same thing. And honestly, I, I do think that, that you can make a case for that. But you rather Kawhi over Curry and Durant. 
that's interesting. Yes, and, and and it's something about his assertiveness where and his defensive assertiveness. He Kawhi, Anthony Davis, and LeBron have this all over the they, they their fingerprints when they're on the floor. Yeah, you feel them at all times. Sometimes when and, and Curry has that too, but defensively he doesn't. No, but he Durant, got, before Durant came over, he had it. He absolutely had that. Not on defense, though. Yeah, yeah, I know, but it just felt like he, you're right. Not on defense, but it felt like when Curry was in the game, like there was just something different about the game. I agree. Yeah, like yeah. He, does, he could he could go over eleven from three and and shoot and have five points and still have a profound impact on the game just by stepping on the court. Right. Exactly. Sometimes it's like KD. You're like, oh snap! I forgot he was on the court. Right. So, so that that's that. But I think what I failed to realize was one, how, and this is going to be stupid is to say, I forgot how much better Kawhi Leonard is than Demar Derozan. Oh my goodness! I mean, Demar Derozan to me is one of the most overrated players in the league. I've never been a fan of Demar Derozan, but at, overall as a player, he's so much better than Demar. Yeah, but but. When you see the regular season that DeMar puts in, you see a couple of the playoffs that he's put in, you're like, hey, he's probably like the number 15 player in the league. Right. And it's the gap is so wide. And watching that Boston game, when you watch it, you're like, wow, Kawhi Leonard is hands down, without a question, the best player on this court, period. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that I don't think we ever felt in San Antonio because it was always about Popovich. It was always about his system. And I don't know if I don't know if I've ever heard the Spurs chant MVP for Kawhi. <laughs> that fan base is very interesting, but I don't. I'm trying to think as well, and I don't know if they did they do it for Duncan. I don't is is know. that something that they did? I don't even know if that's something that they did in general. Yeah, but that's probably why he wanted to leave. The, you think the so? first he, game. But he doesn't seem like the type of player who wants that fanfare. Like, I mean, just his demeanor in general reminds me of someone who's very introverted and doesn't care about that stuff. Yeah, but he wants, he, you know, he wants the, he turned down the Jordan deal, right? Yeah, he did. So so that that says that he's at least mindful of his brand you know, if anything, I mean, they should just make a campaign with Kawhi where he doesn't speak and he just has a spokesperson with him at all times. So I think that would be <laughs> right? Like if, if, if somebody asks him a question, then he just looks at the guy over to his right and he's like, he's going to answer everything for me. I think that would be a hilarious campaign. Where it's like you can, And that just should be the whole campaign. That's all they should do. <laughs> like he should just have people or maybe like personalities of Kawhi where, the, you know, he has different people with him that will exert different emotions that he doesn't show. So there's like one, there's like sad Kawhi where it's like if something sad happens, he has like a person next to him that's just, you know, crying for him on his behalf, you know, or if somebody laughs on his yeah. behalf. So you ever, you ever I, see those Key and Peele skits with angry Obama? Yeah, yeah, oh, something yeah. like that. That would be hilarious. But yes, go. I I, I get what you're saying. <laughs> but but I, but he does care about that, and I think that I'm hoping that he stays in Toronto. I'm really for for a bunch of different reasons. I'm really hoping that that happens because I think the NBA is shifting to shifting to a different type of space, which I think can be really really good. But uh, in which we can talk about later. But I in watching that game, 
to, Danny Green was a huge pickup. Their demeanor, you could see they had this championship demeanor. You could see that they had this expectation that we were going to win. In the past, they never. In the past, you could see that they were always just trying to survive. In this right, game with right. Danny Green and Kawhi, it was like, no, 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 we're going to win. And the other thing was he was so aggressive, where it was like he would grab the ball, come down, shoot it, and not look for anybody. And that's acceptable when everybody else does it. But it was weird for me to watch Kawhi just come down and say, forget everybody else. I'm going to take it. And that's because of his brand that he built in in San Antonio. So just in the first time I really watched him with that Boston game, you can see the shift. Now, the reason that I say I think Boston is still the team to beat because I just praised Kawhi as being basically another LeBron James in the East. I, yeah, I, I think at that point it's fair to say that LeBron James is not that far ahead of Kawhi, um, although he's still ahead. But Boston's team is just too deep. I don't believe in Ibaka still. I, I don't either. believe in. I don't believe in Valanciunas. Same. I don't believe in Lowry. Kyle Lowry. I do like Danny Green though. I think that was such like an him. underrated. Uh, acquisition for the Raptors. Nobody talked about Danny Green going to Toronto. That was huge for them. And Van Vliet off the bench. I love Van Vliet off the bench. There are there are te- parts to the Raptors that I do like a lot. I like Ananobi. Yeah, same. I like Ananobi. I like Van Vliet. Uh, now, here's the thing, though. It's possible that Kawhi, because he's so aggressive in the past, DeRozan was the best player on the team. But he was constantly looking for a co-leader in Lowry. It was always Lowry and DeRozan. So when when DeRozan didn't show up and Lowry didn't show up, they shared this blame. Right now, when Kawhi stepped on the court, he immediately said, guys, this is my team. Right. I am the I am the on the court leader. Everybody look to me. And there's no reason for a number two. Lowry, you don't even have to have the pressure of that. Just play your game type of thing. Exactly. So, so I think that that possibly can create some, some cushion and some comfort for Lowry, because even if Lowry has a bad game, it's still like it's it, the game is not won or lost with you, Lowry. It's won and lost with me. Right. Right. So I so that's the one thing, and the same thing with possibly with uh, Serge Ibaka, because in the past when Ibaka would get a shot, you're like, yo, you need that because DeRozan needs you. He needs you to show right. up. DeRozan right. needs you, Valanciunas, to show up. He needs you guys to make these these shots. Whereas Kawhi, of course, he needs help. But Kawhi's like, whether you guys make the shots or miss the shots, it's on me. So I think that that's something that makes the Raptors better. But I the 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 Celtics have an amazing coach. The Celtics, I think Kyrie is going playoff. Kyrie is a different beast. And I think playoff Tatum is going to be a different beast as well. Yeah, they have so much depth. Uh, they have great coaching, but they're they're going to have to treat Kawhi Leonard like he's Thanos. Yeah, I, I I agree with you on that. But you still will take the Celtics over the Raptors as of right now. Yeah, I, the, yeah, absolutely. And I, I just like if LeBron was still on the Cavs, I would have taken the Celtics over the. Cavs fully healthy because I think that they have enough to attack somebody like LeBron or attack somebody like Kawhi as if they were Thanos. Like you, you legit right, have right. 
you have Iron Man, you have Captain America, you have Spider-Man. You could throw all of these guys at him. Uh, you have Doctor Strange and, you, you know, you have Captain right. Marvel. Right. <laughs> so No, that makes so perfect I, sense. I know exactly what you're saying. Yep. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, interesting. I, I agree with you on that, too. I still think the Celtics are the team to beat. Moving on to the next true or false. True or false, the Pelicans are title contenders. False. False. Okay. Now, I know you're high on the Pelicans, too. I know you like AD. We just dis- dis- discussed that you take AD over Kawhi Leonard. So you basically think he's the second best player in the league. Um, I do like the acquisition of Julius Randle, but why do you say false? I mean, after they just beat down the Houston Rockets, and the Rockets are, I guess, the number two team in the West still in a lot of people's eyes. So this is a – I wish I was better at giving quick answers. No, it's – listen, I like your – honestly, I like your well So so with this – Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, um, so, so with with that said, I think that um, I'll tell you why I think it's false, but I'll tell you my outlook on the Pelicans. I think it's false because I don't think manage. I, I they have four players that I really love. I love Drew Holiday. I loved him when he was in Philly because he just torched my Bulls in the playoffs. And yes. Then, yeah. He just torched us, and I was a fan ever since. And then he kind of fell off because of injuries, but he's back, and the dude is a flat-out baller. And he's he's hard to stop. He's two-way player. He's he's almost like our, the modern-day Chauncey Billups in a way. I mean, he is really, really good. Um, I love I, I love Meritage, even though for my Bulls, we saw glimpses of this, but he never put it all together until the relationship was soured. Right. I, I love Julius Randle. I do not think the Lakers should have let him go. I agree. That was foolish. I think he he to me he's a cross between Zach Randolph and Draymond Green. I, I think he's a tremendous player. And he's shooting threes this year. Uh oh. <laughs> yep, right, right. Like you know, that that's that evolution. Yep. I, I think he's amazing. He's he's in shape now. He has a good regimen, his body is good, and, and he's and him and A D and, and Meritich are three legitimate big men that can grab the ball and push the tempo, which is great. And then, of course, Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis, I think next year, he takes the crown as the best player in the NBA. Okay, see, this is the last year LeBron being the best player in the NBA. I think so. It's it's hard to say because every single time we see LeBron look like he loses a step, something happens, and then he just like comes back with like you know he drank he drank like Michael's secret stuff from <laughs> that Space Jam movie. Yeah, yeah. So, but I do think that Anthony Davis on both sides of the court, he has his fingerprints on the game at all times. Like, and there's only the only three players in the NBA that I feel that with right now are LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Kawhi Leonard. Where at all times, you feel them on the court. So I think that he's going to be unstoppable on offense. I don't think anybody can stop him. He he only stops himself. I don't think defensively he's in a, he's the eraser, right? He he's yeah. um right. Bob Sanders, I think they used to call him the eraser. He, he's oh, wow. the eraser. Bob Sanders, jeez, oh, man. yeah, man. He's, <laughs> he's the eraser for the Colts. Yeah, safety, nice. Yep, and uh, so so that's. That's what they have there. And I think that him and Randall and Miritich, they work really well together. My problem with them this year for now 
is that one, I like Etuan more as like the eighth man off your bench. Got it. I don't like him starting. Not not in this environment. Like right. there are still in an NBA where LeBron still exists and you have the beast that is the Warriors and you have a team like the Rockets that can put up a lot of points, you can't have, in my opinion, Etuan Moore starting for you. I think he could be a really good seventh, eighth man, eighth man off the bench for you. And then there's then there's the Alfred Payton thing where yeah, he had a good first game. He did, he had a really good first game. You know, the triple double or whatever. And maybe it's because of how bad he was in Orlando. And maybe he maybe it will be like Victor Oladipo, where it wasn't until he got to his third team that he really started to be good. But for now, I'm just not a buyer until he proves me otherwise. So when I look at their team, I see you you're starting Alfred Payton, you're starting Etuan Moore, both guys that really should be like your seventh and eighth man off the bench. Right. And and then which means what does that mean for your bench? So in an ideal scenario, in my mind, I think what would have made the team really, really good for me is that they had retained Rondo, they kept Rondo, and then they made a trade for a small forward like Damari Carroll or Kent Bazemore. Josh Richardson, maybe, something like that? Well, Josh Richardson's probably too high up for them to be able to get. Uh, yeah, like, I say the Heat, the Heat love him. Yeah, and they should. Yeah. Um, I think that a guy like Demar Carroll is a is a contract and a player that the Nets would be willing to move because of how much he makes. If you could give a first round pick for Demar Carroll, yeah. and slip him into your starting spot, that would be huge. Similarly, with the Hawks, the, you know they're paying Bazemore a good amount. They're obviously in tank mode. They have no need for a player like Bazemore. But if you put a Bazemore starting for the Pelicans and move Etwan Moore to the bench, that would be huge. I'm really big on the nine-man rotation, despite how good Anthony Davis is, how tremendous he is. You're in a conference with the Warriors, the Rockets, and LeBron. And because of that, you still need that nine-man rotation. Because come playoffs, come playoffs, the one thing that I can't have is I can't have players on the court who I'm asking to do more than they're supposed to do. Yes, I get what you're saying. Right. Everyone has their own role and everyone has to fulfill that role. But if you're asking someone to go above and beyond what they can do, it's it's just not going to work out for a championship level team at least. Especially two players. So it's not just a bench player, right? It, it's You're talking about two starters who come playoffs, you're going to have to ask each one more to guard up I don't even know you know he's gonna have to be the one that guards up KD he's gonna be you know guarding LeBron or Brandon Ingram right right ever um you're gonna have to ask Alfred Payton to say hey while while uh while Anthony Davis is occupied with Steven Adams and you know patrolling the paint for Westbrook or whatever it's gonna say hey you know Alfred Payton you need to be the person that guards up Westbrook or you're gonna need to be the person that follows around Curry while still being able to get me the ball in my spots for me that's why I can't make them a championship contender however this is something that I've stated before because at the end of the day right now it's still LeBron's league and at the end of the day the number one story is LeBron I think the biggest threat to LeBron never winning a championship again. It is not the Warriors. 
it is the Pelicans. Still. Despite that, I think this year, I think that, so one of the things that I recall is when the Thunder traded Jeff Green for Kendrick Perkins. That's a long time ago, but yeah. Yep. The reason that they made that trade, you're going to laugh, okay? And you know this, but you're going to laugh. They made that trade for one player and one player only, Andrew Bynum, okay? (laughs) Right. That's right. Okay, yeah. They made that trade. They traded Kendrick Perkins for Andrew Bynum, and they, they they let James Harden walk because of Pau Gasol. Right. Because Ibaka... And Kendra Perkins were supposed to be these guys that could match up with these twin towers. Right. And instead of having this, what in theory would have been this tremendous team for today's game of Westbrook and Harden and KD and Jeff Green playing the small four and then, you know, trading for like a Tyson Chandler, you know, which is they actually did trade for him. And then they reneged on the trade because of like a toe injury or something. A lot of people don't remember that. But with with that said, they made this decision because they thought of the immediate threat and they didn't think of the future threat, which came out of nowhere. A couple of years later, all of a sudden, the NBA is not about having these twin towers anymore. The NBA became this super perimeter oriented situation where now you just need the, these rim protectors and rim runners. Mm-hmm to get something going and everybody else just runs to three-point line and nobody would have saw this evolution of um nobody would have thought that this evolution was going to happen for the warriors i think that right now a lot of teams are chasing the warriors thinking about the warriors but when you look at everywhere else in the nba you have anthony davis you have deandre ayton you have demarcus cousins you have uh, Joel Embiid, you know, Andre Drummond, you have the, the big man is coming back. And the person that leads all of that and the most versatile amongst them all is Anthony Davis. And and that that's just what it comes down to. I think that okay. in the West, the Pelicans, because of Anthony Davis, if they can properly fill the point guard and small forward spots with good veterans, I'm just talking about if you even had, for example, if they had what the Pacers have, Boyan Bogdanovich and Darren Collison, I would call them a championship contender. Really? So you don't think he needs another superstar. You just think he needs a significant upgrade at two positions, uh, and that would knock back more and pay into the bench. So I guess – Essentially, Peyton and Moore become your bench, and then you have upgrades at the starting position with those two players, their championship team. Yeah, because in my mind, if if let's say that let's say that it was those two, let's say that you had Darren Collison and Boyan Bogdanovich, both the guys can shoot the three at a high clip. Darren Collison is a very low mistake player. Right. Boyan Bogdanovich is a very low mistake player. Both have very IQs. They very high IQs. They defend. So now, if you had your rotation where it's like Darren Collison, Drew Holiday, Boyan Bogdanovich, Meritich, and Anthony Davis, you have five guys on the court that can shoot threes. 
five guys that play without the ball very well, high IQ guys. And then off the bench, you have your sixth man is Julius Randle, who would now be like sixth man of the year status. And then your seventh man is Alfred Payton. And then your eighth man is Etwan Moore. And now you've level set your, your rotation where everybody can play within themselves while Anthony Davis right. acts as the best player in the world, which I think he'll be by the end of next year. So I think that because of that, I think the Lakers could be looking more towards um, the 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 Warriors as this huge barrier and, and to emulate them. But I think that the the force that's Anthony rising Davis, yeah. is Anthony Davis, and that's interesting because that's not even a, that's not even a super team. What you just listed, that's just a very well balanced, put together team, and not so much. Hey, let's just throw a bunch of freaking superstars together. It's let's build around one guy. And put the best weapons available around him to thrive. Well, yeah, and focus on style. Yeah, I think it's very interesting because that's not something that is going on today. It's it's just hey, let's stack all these superstars in one team. Let's see what we can do. <laughs> it's but the exact, I actually think it is, it's but not really shift. though because it's it, it the mindset is always like okay, we have one superstar, let's get another one. It's it's completely different than what's going on. Well, I'm higher on Drew Holiday because I think Drew Holiday is as good as any second player in the NBA. He's an All Star. He's an all star, a, a fringe yeah. all star. I mean, in the West, he is at least because the West. I is mean, so who's? Sad. I mean, and this is people are gonna think I'm crazy, but is D- Damian Lillard or CJ McCollum really that really better than Drew Holiday I, as a two way player? I think if you would have asked that question before the playoff series last year, you would have gotten a hell no. Drew Holiday is not better than those guys. But after what Drew Holiday did to that team last year, especially Dame, I think. Well-educated basketball fans and people who actually watch the game will be like, you know, I might take Drew Holiday over Dame. I might take Drew Holiday over over CJ McCollum. He's six foot four. He yeah. plays defense. He slashes. He he knows how to pass. Right. He's no nonsense. So, you know, he applies the pressure. So, I think that people love the names. I agree. But- and, and and just the points. It's it's about points and how you put up points. People fall in love with. Yeah, but he plays the game the right way. So I I do think that they have he they have a legitimate second level player. I mean that that is just really good. And then I think Miritich and and Julius Randle as a third and fourth player are really good. And then when you give Anthony Davis an All Star, two plus not two guys that are above average for their yes. position, like considerably above average, and then and then two guys that are at a minimum on par with average in like a Bogdanovich or a Carroll or a Bazemore. And then let's say, you know, like I said, a Darren Collison or you know, something like that level player. I think that that is a great team, but I, I think the shift that's happening in the NBA and which is why I, I hope that, that Kawhi Leonard stays with the Raptors is that, I was actually just having this conversation earlier. It's funny because I, I always end up kind of speaking about LeBron because I feel that he, the, the, he really changed the NBA in so many different ways uh, in 2010 where there was this period of of really good teams, right, where, you know, you look at, like, for example, I think um, there was somebody on Twitter um, – that was talking about how the the Pacers teams from the '90s really weren't that good, and I'm like, you're crazy. They were they were great teams. You know, when you have Mark Jackson, um, Reggie Miller, Jalen Rose, the Davis guys, Rick Smiths, Travis Best, right? 
that that's a great team together. Yeah, they all complement each other. There's a role for everybody. There's a purpose for everybody. Yeah, and that 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 worked. And but then the cool thing was that it was the, this one all star or maybe two all stars with role players, and then you had the the Miami Heat. They were a really good team. I mean, when you had Tim Tim Hardaway, Dan Marley, Jamal Mashburn, PJ Brown, and, and Alonzo Mourning, th- that's great team. And you think about what PJ Brown did for the Celtics in their championship run in this era. Alonzo Mourning did for the Heat in their championship run in this era. Like these are not guys that oh they couldn't play. No, they they played in this era and they succeeded in this era despite being past their prime. So. And we saw this. This is not even subjective. We saw what Alonzo Mourning did in the finals in 2006. We saw what P.J. Brown did in the playoff runs for the Celtics when they won a championship in, what, 2008. So we saw this past their prime. That was a great team. And and I think that when we saw the Pistons win a championship, that was a really good team. Even the Lakers, uh, Shaq and Kobe's Lakers, they weren't a super team. They were just a really good team. With two, right, with two superstars. You got a point guard in Derek Fisher who was just played his role. Rick Fox knew what – like, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, they were just a really good team. The, yeah. the Pistons were a really good team. The Spurs were a really good team. The 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 Heat, with when Shaq got there, he was way past his prime by that point. Like, when they won the championship, they were a really good team. And then the Celtics, they had the three stars. Um, so, so they obviously traded a bunch of pieces to make that happen. Um Dwight Howard and the Magic, they were like a good, well-put-together team with shooters. Right. And, and we, and and we kind of lost our way with these whole creations of a superstar. I mean, LeBron going to Miami kind of just started this whole new trend where we lost our way with building teams. It changed. The, that's what I mean. 2010 changed it because when you look at yeah. – you know me, I'm, I, I go back to history. I just went through the entire pace and showed – like when you look at the Jazz in the 90s, Stockton Malone, role players, um, Gary Payton, Sean Kemp role players um Kev, kevin uh, kevin johnson charles barkley role players um clyde drexler role players michael jordan scotty pippen role players like this is how it worked and then it wasn't until really like that 2010 when it was like three pine players did that and then then this response with what the warriors did you know, change that so my hope is that we have paul george who chose to say hey no Westbrook is good enough. Me and Westbrook right. and a team. Um, you know, I, I'm hoping that we see more of that happen. Where it's saying Kawhi is saying, "No, you know what? I got, I got Ananobi, Siakam, Van Vliet, Lowry. I'm good." I, that that's what I'm hoping. Why I'm hoping he stays there. And now we're going to say, "Hey, Giannis, I'm hoping he stays there. I'm hoping that Ben Simmons and." And uh, Joel Embiid grow together. I'm hoping that DeAndre Ayton and Dev Booker grow together. Right. And I'm hoping that these these like you know, and Damian Lillard actually came out and said the same thing, where it's like, nah, I'm good with my squad. I'm hoping that him and CJ McCollum are are true to what they say. Hey, if we don't win this way, fine. But I'm gonna battle. I think this shift is happening, I and that's why I think it. that Anthony Davis can happen. Got it. I get that makes that makes total sense. That makes sense to me. All right. So last one, since the, <laughs> we can go on for like four hours. I love this. Um, 
I'll choose this one. True or false? The Rockets have officially taken a step back with Carmelo Anthony. Right now, they're 1-2. and two. The only victories against the Los Angeles Lakers, but they did lose to the Pelicans. And they did lose to a team who I picked uh, to make the playoffs this year as the 8th seed, the Los Angeles Clippers. I think they're very underrated. Um, just hearing you talk about them earlier, I think you think so as well. What do you think about the Rockets right now, and specifically Carmelo Anthony fitting in with them? I think that Melo is... He doesn't have a place in today's NBA, unfortunately. So you think they... True or false, you think they took, they've taken a step back with him? Yes, absolutely true. Okay. I think I think that they've... Not only did they lose uh, Trevor Ariza, who I think was a huge pickup for the um, Suns, uh, and, and Ryan Anderson, I think that they sacrificed a lot, and now they're going to have to rely on James Ennis. And uh, the the problem is that you're you're going to be playing Melo big minutes, and unfortunately. For every positive that Melo gives you at this point, he will give you two negatives. Right. You you will be at a negative one with with um, Melo uh, because he's not a good catch and shoot player. He he constantly passes up these threes to pump fake and then dribble. Uh, he's not in a, even if he didn't, he, he's not an effective shooter there. Isn't it crazy? He's really how, just uh, abysmal. It's crazy how "quote unquote" Olympic Mello has just fooled everybody into thinking he can do this. I mean, he had a good stretch run with with uh, I forgot what year it was. I think it was the 2012 team, maybe where or 2000. Yeah, the 2012 team where he just was a catch and shoot and he was killing it for like five games. And now because of those stretch stretches of games, people think all of a sudden he can be this guy. That's never been him. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, it, it's I completely agree and and. Now all his athleticism has left him where it's like even the running and it's just unfortunate that it's come to this for him because the truth is for me, he's no better than Joe Johnson. Wow. Yeah, he's no better than Joe Johnson right now. Isolation scorer who, wow, very interesting. Very interesting. And Joe, yeah. Joe Johnson's still in the league? <laughs> I'm not sure. I know he was on the Rockets last year, but he, he yeah. slowed out. And I, I don't think that Melo has a place in this league. And he's, he doesn't even have a place as a Vince Carter because at least Vince Carter, you know he's going to make these high IQ plays. Right. He's going to keep the ball moving. He's going to catch and shoot. And he's going to be a really good locker room presence. I mean, Melo is still talking about how it's hard for me to come off the bench and it's difficult. And I understand that may be true. So I think that they took a big step back because once again, in in this Western Conference, you need to be relentless, and it's a lot of pressure mentally to get through. And when you have Chris Paul and and, and James Harden, and I like Eric Gordon, and I like Clint Capella, right? So so you have these four guys, but kind of somewhat similar to the Pelicans in a way where it's saying I, I really like four of their players and they don't have anybody else that I really love. I mean, P.J. Tucker, he's he's solid. So I think that they at least have um, – uh, he's not even starting, I don't think. I think uh, James Ennis is starting for them. So, you know, but in the West, I don't know if I really want James Ennis being my starter come playoff time. So, But I think that – but the reason I like it is because I think the NBA is shifting where that is a team that would go up against Anthony Davis's team right. 
and and it would be a battle of really good teams, not super team versus a team. We, so, we just crave the '90s, man. I think that's what it is. We grew up with <laughs> with those teams. Well, the so. 2000s too. The but, 2000s. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. Think about think about the parody. I mean, yeah. Once again, the Lakers did. But but that was just the epitome of a really good dynasty. They felt like I mean the Pistons to me are a great example of a team. The Detroit Pistons, two thousand four, two thousand five, Detroit Pistons. Absolutely, that, that's a team. I mean the Lakers, it felt like a super team just because you did have the most dominant player on the team in Shaq, and then you had the second best shooting guard of all time, third, whatever you rank, third best shooting guard of all time on the same team. So it it just felt like they were just a super team. It felt like a super team until you say, hey, well, Let's the rest of the roster, yeah. Rick Fox is a good glue guy, right. Derek Fisher, Robert Ory. You had Mark Madsen and uh, Med Bedenko, I think his name was, playing for these guys. Yeah. So Brian Shaw was getting minutes for these yeah. guys. So yeah, Tyrone Lue. I mean, Ty yeah. Lue was getting yeah. – these, these are not – this is not a super team. Right. <laughs> it, had, it just felt that way because of Shaq and Kobe. They were so – I mean, they're such – huge names in the history of basketball that you have them on the same team. It's like, whoa, but you're right. I mean, you look at their squad, the rotation, it's, it wasn't a super team at all. And not even in the least. And the same thing with the Spurs. Um, the Spurs were not a super team. You had Ginobili was a really good player. Tony Parker, really good player. But I mean, Tony Parker has never been a top five point guard in the league at any point in his career. But you would never think that until you actually say it, right? I would I would have to go <laughs> through the league year by year because I'm I'm a big fan of Tony Parker. I'm not gonna lie. I, I love Tony Parker, but I mean, if you think about it, um, you know, he was never better than Gilbert Arenas. Yeah, but I don't think you think Gilbert Arenas was a point guard. Yeah. Really. Yeah, he was just before his time. Gilbert Arenas was definitely a point guard. He was like, he was he's just, like Damian Lillard. That's a, he kind of reminds me of Damian Lillard. Yeah, yeah, Dame. You know, yeah. I mean, you had like there was a period when it was like um, Steve Francis, Gilbert Arenas, Stephon Marbury. You know, there there were a lot of these guys. Um, Deron Williams had his period. Chris Paul, Steve right. Nash, Jason Kidd. Uh, so so these these are and then then there was like the Westbrook and Curry and um Rose and you know Damian Lillard and Mike you know all these guys so when you really look at the scope of the NBA from the 2000s until now there was never a period when you know Baron Davis <laughs> so there was never a period where uh, where Tony Parker was a, a better player than any of these guys if you were ever going to have a draft you would never draft Tony Parker over these guys I don't know but man I like Tony a lot I, uh, we can get into that another time but I see I saying. like him I'm yeah. not saying I don't like him yeah. I'm just saying that but but that that I'm saying all that say is that the Spurs were a great team they weren't a super team right you know and and then you had the magic and so so I I do think it's coming back to that the only way that that would change is if Kawhi Leonard goes somewhere obscene <laughs> that, that's the only way that it would change. Or if Anthony Davis, every, they keep on the ESPN keeps on trying to force this Anthony Davis trade down our throat to the Celtics, right? Yeah, it's like oh, Anthony Davis is going to get traded. I'm like, no, yeah. why would they trade him? They, they're making the playoffs. They're a good team. He, for all intents and purposes, they should believe that they've done enough to keep him there. Right. So interesting. 
All right, Darnell. Well, thanks for joining me, man. I mean, it was a good discussion. I feel like you and I could have a show that lasts like three to four hours. <laughs> yeah, man. Forget first take. Forget uh, I'm not kidding, man. Like we could talk, we could talk for hours about this stuff. But where can people find you if they want more of your stuff? If they want to hear you, if they want to read, uh, where, where can people find you on Twitter? All that good stuff. Yeah, uh, Twitter. It's a uh, D uh, Gillette one. So D is in dog. G I L E T number one. Um, Darnell Gillette. So uh, that's me. Um, and yeah, so I'm always tweeting about hoops. Uh, you know, once I'm done with this, I'm going to go check out the games and 1030, uh, the, the Lakers are going to be playing the Spurs. So I'm really interested in seeing how that game goes, uh, because I think it'll be telling for both teams. So, um, I'm always tweeting. I'm always, I'm, I'm responding to people. I'm having Twitter debates yes. and, and I'm, I'm all, I'm all over Twitter with it. So definitely, um, give me a shout out if you disagree with something I got to say then let me know and then we'll have at it alright sounds good and if you want you can follow the dime on twitter and instagram at the dime mba my personal page is at josh underscore rodriguez underscore if you're listening on itunes or apple Podcasts, please give the show five stars it goes a long way I'll be back next week with another episode enjoy the week of NBA basketball ladies and gentlemen I'll catch you around
Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in, these deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.